Welcome to the FYE podcast. My name is Dr. Jose Saldivar, and I am joined today by a couple of guests. I'm going to allow them to introduce themselves. Uh, we'll go ahead and start to my left. Hi, my name is Becky Gadsden. I have the pleasure and privilege of serving as the Dean of Students and Associate Vice President for Student Life at UTRGV. Awesome. Thank you for being here. And to my right? I am Catherine. I'm going to go by Katie Medela Watson, and I'm in the Department of Literatures and Cultural Studies, and I'm also affiliate faculty in Gender and Women's Studies, which is a very new program, um, as well as Mexican-American Studies. Terrific. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, and I'm Sandy Saldivar. I'm the First Year Experience Coordinator here for UTRGV. The topic of today's podcast is fear and what exactly we are afraid of. I'll go ahead and leave it at that. I'll allow anybody to jump in um, and we'll just see where the conversation takes us. So who'd like to start? I'm actually really afraid of public speaking. And so like when I was a student, it like terrified me to do presentations. Like I would, I could feel like my heart beating and you do this sort of thing where you're almost like outside of your body, you know, like looking in and then you start thinking about that and then you just, you're like totally derailed. And so, um, I, and I think everybody to some extent is afraid of public speaking because, you know, you put yourself in front of a classroom or other people and you're making yourself vulnerable and you think that they're judging you. But um, as an educator, I've also come to learn that people aren't paying as much attention to you <laughs> as you think they are. Um, and I think we're all a little narcissistic. So, and in that way, it's like really comforting. But I always, I remind students that, um, you know, even I'm like afraid of public speaking and like, it's okay. It must be refreshing for your students though to hear that, right? Because I, I think a lot of the students coming coming in have that fear. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're afraid of getting up and speaking. Uh, I know my students are afraid whenever I, I tell them they have to teach class at some point, so they have to get in front. Um, so I can imagine your students must must be at least knowing that, sharing that with them, I think must make them feel a little at ease. Do you get any feedback from them? Yeah, I think they're kind of shocked too because, you know, here I am, I'm supposed to be this authority figure and I'm a lot, at this point, a lot older than they are. And they're like, oh, expletive, like she's, like if she's still experiencing it, then. Yeah, I think it's not that it makes their fear go away, but um, they feel, feel more comfortable in the, with the, the fear. I think that you also touched on one of my fears, which is the fear of being vulnerable and like exposing yourself. Mm -hmm. So for me, whether when I was in a master's class, um, I didn't want to speak up because you don't want to be vulnerable. You don't want the whole class looking at you. And I don't know if it's necessarily public speaking. I'm a communication major as an undergrad. So I get this kind of like thrill of public speaking, but that whole sense of just being vulnerable. And it even drives like my brothers crazy because I'm so private, but I'm private because I keep everything to myself because I don't want to expose my feelings, my thoughts in any way, because once they're out there, you can't. Yeah, once you share it, it's out there for everybody. Becky, what are you afraid of? In a nutshell, it's probably being enough. You know, being enough to my children, what an incredible responsibility it is to raise little people, to grow up into responsible, loving, compassionate grown-ups. Am I enough to my partner? Am I enough to the students that I serve? Am I enough to the staff and colleagues with whom I work to support their efforts? And it comes across 
saying it comes across maybe narcissistic, but it's about being enough to support the people in my life and not wanting to let people down. I'm living my heart's desire in the work that I do and in the relationship I have with my family. And that investment is so great in nature and the, the return is so valuable, but later to be seen in mm -hmm. some instances and very immediate in the short term if I'm not able to do my part to help others do theirs. And so I think that's kind of a fear that I have is just being enough. And I think as a woman professional and parent, I have tried to figure out what does it mean to be a woman who has it all? Because I think there were messages that I received younger in my graduate career and early professional career of, yes, you can have a family, you can be a mother, you can be a professional career woman, you can get advanced degrees and do research. And I am learning and trying to still figure out how you do all of those things. And so some of that fear of failure, because it is, it is hard. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it is hard to be a man and a career man, but I will tell you, there were messages I received about a professional <clears throat> career woman of, and being able to have it all. And I feel growing up through the field, I feel like maybe someone lied to me or perhaps didn't tell me how to make it work. So that fear of just being enough to all people for the different needs they have. So there are three women on the panel, um, and I, I'd like to know, how, how do you all respond to that? I think it resonates. Um, I'm a single mom, and so it's really hard for me. As When I was a graduate student, you're focusing on your research and your work, and she was so little, and to those hours that you spend away from her, and then you work eight to whenever, right? Because our jobs, I'm passionate about what I do, so I can't disconnect from it all the time because you want to be enough for everyone. And so I do think that there's sometimes when you have to step back and say, I can't do it all. And is that disappointing? Because you always feel like you're letting somebody down. So um, I don't have children. I have two bad dogs at home. I'm a horrible dog parent. But um, now I was just thinking about, especially within the context of this institution where we have a lot of students who are, you know, first generation, the sort of like great response, great responsibility I feel um, to be enough for my students. And I think probably students feel so pressured about how we professors or instructors perceive them. But, you know, I think they need to know, or you all need to know that, you know, we feel the same obligation you know, to you. And so I always sort of freak out in my, especially my intro courses, um, you know, am I preparing you with like the reading and writing and thinking skills that you need to do well? Do you all feel like, do you think students experience something similar? So coming in, I know you, you said, you, you know, the students have this anxiety maybe about, are they doing enough? But coming in, you know, a lot of our students, first generation, have tremendous responsibilities in addition to being the college student. And do you think they, they have similar experiences where they wonder, am I doing enough? Not only because I've got to fulfill my role as a college student, but whatever the expectations are of me at home and whether they be cultural roles, like societal roles, gendered roles, um, 
Do you think our students feel that? Do you think they, they go through a similar experience of, am I doing enough for the people that I am beholden to or, or that I have to be accountable to? During our summer orientation season, we are in front of our entering students mm-hmm. and we asked a question, free response, 140 characters or less. What are you concerned about right now? And overwhelmingly a theme developed with these very close to the heart statements. I'm worried that I am going to be enough when it comes to prepared enough, that I will disappoint my parents, that I've selected the right major, that I'm moving to the right vocation. Will I be treated as if I'm deserving to be here. Am I deserving to be here? I will tell you that that overarching theme of a sense of place came out in like overwhelmingly. And that just tells me about what we need to do to be affirming for this sense of academic and social belonging. Students have demonstrated past success, and that is why they are here. So how can we be supportive, even if people would benefit from some additional resources or connections, that they are enough and have the ability to succeed here? But others, what do you all think? I, oh, well, I think the sense of being enough has always been part of my life, right? I was a first-generation college student. I I had, I wasn't just going to graduate for myself, I was going to graduate for my brothers who didn't go to school, I was going to graduate for my parents. I was the one that got the good grades, so I was the one that was going to college. I'm the youngest, and so you carry this like mountain on your shoulders, and then you go to a big university, and you've always been one of the smart kids, and then you get into a class where you see, I'm no longer one of the smart kids. So that whole fear of, was I prepared enough? Do I don't know how to study? It always came easy to me. I don't know how to take notes. And all of that reinforces this whole notion of, I'm really not enough. You have my same undergraduate story. I didn't know how to study or take notes. I remember my first semester reading for my general psychology class, and I looked at my page, and everything was pretty much highlighted because I didn't know how to pick up the most important Mm -hmm. information out of all of the important information in a general level course. Mm -hmm. And... I didn't know who to ask as a first-generation student Mm -hmm. who was expected to be successful as a student (laughs) in college. Yeah, so so I had to ask for help, and that is one of the hardest things to do because it makes you be vulnerable. Well, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, actually, similar story. So I'm from San Antonio originally, which is three and a half hours north of here. I wasn't first generation exactly, but my mom was first generation. So when I was going to college, she had just finished college and you know she had just sort of scrambled through it and still didn't have, didn't have like a good um, understanding of how higher ed you know worked. And so, so I'm mixed race and I'm Mexican on my mom's side. And so like you, I sort of felt like there's all these stories about like my great grandfather who it's always about my great grandfather and my great grandmother, right? Who, you know, carried like a goat on his back across like the river and it's like I don't know what the goat has to do with like anything. Um, but there was a goat involved. But but like the point of the stories is like, you know, he came here so like we could all achieve 
greatness. And so, yeah, so I sort of felt like I always, and still do to some extent, have like the weight of like my ancestors, like, you know, weighing on me in addition to like my family. And um, I didn't have the confidence to go straight away into um, a university. And even though I had the grades, so I went to community college first. And, um, and I think that was a really good decision for me. But I remember developing, um, I didn't realize what they were at first, but um, I felt so pressure and I started having this tightness in my chest and I couldn't, you know, breathe all the way in. And um, it turns out that, yeah, I, I developed sort of this like anxiety disorder. And I think if I had made myself vulnerable and asked for help, like it sounds like you all did, um, I could have avoided that. But, um, but I think we internalize um, our fears, you know, that become somatic. And I think that's something that students, and I've noticed my students, like especially within the first few years, like develop these sort of, you know, symptoms. And so I don't think the term self-care was around when like 20 years ago, but yeah, we need to be aware of, of you know, self-care and where we're coming from. Ask for help, you need to be vulnerable. If I'm standing on the outside, I'm looking in, right? If I'm a student and from my vantage point, faculty, administration, staff, often look like you have it together, right? Becky Gadsden has it together. Cynthia Saldivar has it together. Catherine Merle Watson has it together. What advice do you give students? Right? Because, you know, we're, I think we've all shared, we've all been vulnerable. We all have these fears, especially about, you know, am I good enough as a public speaker? Am I enough to the people that, I, that I'm responsible to, um, regardless of how far back that may go? What advice do we give students? I, th I think, one, the fact that you all have shared so much, I've already opened up and said, I struggle with this, right? I wonder, I question myself, I have these fears. What do we tell students then? Students that are coming in probably with similar fears, similar concerns, trying to figure it all out, trying to, to wrestle with this question of, am I enough? What do we tell them? Hell yeah, and own it. <laughs> and, you know, you need to seek out resources. There are resources that, as I'm sure you all will talk about too, that are, that are available. And so me, I'm teaching literature and cultural studies. Um, I always refer students to the Writing Center. And I also tell them that, um, you know, the reason I ended up getting a 4.0 in English at UT Austin, um, even though I always had imposter syndrome too, was because I always went to the Writing Center and take advantage of those resources. I also tell students to um, find a mentor uh, like seek out relationships with professors, even if like they're not in your major. Um, I'm a mentor to um, a young woman who is in, she's about to graduate, I think, with a criminology degree. And she just sort of checks in with me, you know, periodically and she knows that I'm there and I've helped her, you know, through some things that have nothing to do with, you know, academia. And so um, find those connections, find those, those resources. Yes, it's affirming you are enough and there are times when there may be situations that are challenging and there are people to help, including formal and informal mentors. We can focus on those things that we literally have control over and realize that that's fear. It, it, when we outside, when we start focusing outside that sphere of these worries, we need to 
start thinking about what can we influence versus what we can control. For me, and I can only speak for myself, but my mind will start to race about all these kinds of things until I can pull it back mm -hmm. and say, what about the situation can I control? And oftentimes I really can't control the situation, but I can internally think about how can I control my mindset and approach and what influences do I have? Or what kind of strategies could I employ to help me in my mindset or approach? And so, yes, it's affirming, hell yeah, you're enough. And let's talk about how can we provide you some strategies to, to focus on those things that are man able to be managed mm -hmm. and get help in those other areas yeah. that can be worked on collectively and collaboratively. Terrific. Cynthia. And I guess for me, it's just to remember that, that we're all human, right? And we all have these fears. And so for me, I said, I'm, I'm scared of being vulnerable. So for me, I'm scared to ask the help of somebody that I think has got it all together. And now that I am a professional, I see that maybe that's, I'm now that person who people think have it all together. But underneath, I'm a hot mess, right? And I may not project it because I've had 37 years of, of faking not being a hot mess, right? But just remember that if we're here saying we're here to help you, it's because we're genuinely here to help you. And we're human, and we're probably fearing the exact same thing you're fearing. And we're just as nervous with you to talk small talk, and we're scared that we're going to tell you the wrong thing. So all of that is going on. But if you can just remember, whether it is that person sitting next to you in class or that professor, we're all human, and we all have our fears. So just reach out. Terrific. Any final thoughts, comments? Okay, so tell sort of my background. Um, so I think, like particular to this institution, something I tell my students is that um, you know this university is you know mostly Latino. Most of our students come from you know working class and even poor backgrounds, and um, you know the university has not historically been a place for um, these kinds of students, but you need to like own this space and sort of reclaim this space um and you know not to sound cliche but like yeah you are enough you belong here and i sound like a nike an old nike <laughs> just, just do it at the end of the day yeah like muster that confidence you belong here and we're here to you know concretely support you it's one day at a time one moment at a time be fully present and be willing to be open to the possibilities. I'd like to thank you all again for coming in. Thank you for sharing your stories and for being vulnerable. Um, I think our, our students will connect to your stories and I think our students will thank you for sharing your stories. Uh, again, own the space. You are enough. If you need help, reach out and seek out the help. Uh, and continue listening. Thank you again, and we'll see you next time.